Welcome back to Time Out with the Sports Doctor podcast, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. We're very glad that you continue to support this podcast. You can get the information on any platform uh, where podcasts are played, as well as getting the video content on YouTube. But if you want to just get one place to find all the content, go to my website at drgarrickthesportsdoctor.com and you will find everything on that website. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor podcast, and we have a special treat for you today. Uh, You know, I promised that I was going to give you some kind of inside views of me personally, and I think that I have two guests today that are highly qualified to give a lot of insight, uh, hopefully not too much dirt, on my past. Um, I have my brother, Thomas Burgess uh, II, and I have Tony Thompson, uh, who is a fake uncle and cousin, uh, AKA coach Tony, but welcome both of you to the podcast. Uh, glad to be able to connect with you in this way. And uh, this is going to be a special episode for sure. Oh yeah. Most definitely. I'm glad to be here. Cause I appreciate you. Yeah. 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 So, uh, that was just very informal introduction, but Tony is part of a podcast as well. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the podcast that you have co-host. Man, we are by leaps and bounds, and I got some good news for you guys today, so you'll be one of the first to hear about it. But um, currently right now, with a podcast called Interludes. Talk on Tuesday with none other than my girl, Val Johnson, which we call a Val the Voice. My guy, Mr. Mike Womble, school teacher, both of them out of Chicago with me. We kind of reconnected, and they brought me on board, and I'm doing sports talk with Coach Tony. And um, the number's been going great. And uh, second week of August, I will be pulling away, doing my own podcast called The Pull-Up Podcast. I'm excited about it. We're going to break the podcast down in what we call four quarters, like a basketball or football game, something of that nature, because where we're going to do first 15 minutes, talk about whatever, second quarter, third quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, if you have any knowledge, like we're going to talk about a little bit today, if you have any knowledge on the subject in the fourth quarter, pull up on it, talk about it. And so it's been a big hit and get a lot of guys talking about it. So I'll keep you guys informed. And when we do that, I'm definitely going to get back on here with the, the coach and the doctor. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, congratulations on that, number one. And, you know, I've been a part of the interludes and definitely will want to be a part of your, your new podcast coming. So congratulations. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, my brother, um, who is highly qualified, stayed in the same home with him for – I guess we'll say 15 years since he's older. Uh, he graduated and went off to college. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, we shared many moments together. Um, just a big brother. You know, he's mm-hmm. formerly works in human resources. He lives in the D.C. metro area in southern Maryland um, and has recently accepted his call into the ministry. So very proud of him with that. Tommy, so, mean, just tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Uh, thank you, Doc. Uh, it's a sports doctor, Dr. Derek. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, Thomas Burgess. Like you said, the older brother. We're about two and a half years apart. So I've always kind of felt like I was the role model kind of coming up and trying not to lead you in the wrong way. But as I'm, I'm so proud of you for what you have accomplished and what you're doing here on the podcast. And it's I, I must say it's a pleasure to be able to join you on the podcast. As I've been supporting you from the start, since the beginning, been listening to you. So it's a pleasure to be here. As my brother said, uh, I went to school in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, University of Alabama, Huntsville, and did my graduate work at University of Alabama A&M and been living in Maryland since 2006. So, and as you said, I just recently last year accepted calling into the ministry. So that's been going well so far. I've had a couple of sermons under my belt and uh, it's just been good just to fulfill the, I feel like the purpose that God has put me here on this earth to do it. And that's to share his word with others. Yeah, so I I echo that real quick too, cuz I remember that first night he dropped that first podcast. Yeah, about about the COVID, you know, and and giving everybody some information, and then we expand a few years away from that. So that's that's a good telltale sign. That's uh, show you doing doing some great things. Yeah, so I actually officially launched on Father's Day of 2021. So we just actually today six twenty. So today is officially the birthday, so to speak. You know. It came out of a need, as you mentioned, the podcast. So 
the first couple of things before I was officially a podcast, I had two town hall meetings, so to speak, about COVID-19 because there was so much misinformation going on right. and so little information that our people really knew. I wanted to bring professionals together that I trust to share the information. And that really gave me encouragement to say, okay, you can do this. I mean, it, they were greatly attended. I think we had about a hundred people. There was, I remember logging on the first night and it was like 60 people in the waiting room. And I was like, wow, okay, this is, we're on to something here. Um, but I share, I was learning so much during that time and mm -hmm. mentoring is something big that we can talk about. That's been a big part of all of our lives, but I wanted to have a platform where I could share in real time, really what I was learning, you know, from a financial standpoint, from an educational standpoint, being able to share these pearls that have helped me not to achieve success. I'm still in the chase of certain things, but things that have helped me along the way. And that's really what this podcast was founded on those pillars of strengthening your mindset, helping you grow your assets and helping you achieve success, which is something that we all hold dear mm -hmm. and something as a family that we all emphasize. So we're going to talk about all those things today as we sit here, but anyone else want to chime in? I was going to say, uh, you know, that's funny that you mentioned about today as we were talking earlier. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know we're talking about today's Juneteenth and it becomes your situation on the birthday of the show for a few years removed. And you got to look at that situation where a few years removed and you're still doing pot and, and you're growing in numbers. Now, that's, that's several people I know that started this thing, and, you know, quick and out quick, you know, and I think you did it in the right way. You said a positive thing and that was to start it in a situation where you weren't necessarily looking for the financial gain, but right. it was a, started to give a, Pearl information out there that was needed because I wish I had you women this weekend because at the country they are still kind of behind. And this gentleman was talking about how fake the COVID news was when it hit originally. And I'm saying, sir, I don't even want to get in this conversation because I know people from my family to people that's close to me that lost people. And I don't know what it did over here, but in the States it was real. So yeah. to have you that night, to have those doctors on and and really give that information out, and then you able to pivot and go into, you know, to the sports medicine, and then into athlete recovery and different things. That's that's a great testament, man. So I'm just proud of it. Yeah. And I just, if I can just add on to what Tony was saying, I mean, I, it's I'm not surprised because I mean I've seen your character, and that's been a part of your character. I've, I've had the privilege to watch up close and personal. You know, I you always hear doctors have gone; they go through a lot, uh, you know, to get through med school and to get to where, you know, that they have their success. But just being able to really sit there, I got front row seats, courtside seats, you know, just to really kind of see you and see your struggle at times, but see that you you were consistent and persistent. And so, I mean, I see those character traits kind of playing out through your podcast because, you know, I know you've had some tough times. I'm sure everything is not going the way you wanted to go, but you persistently show up day in, day out. And with that, I mean, you you're going to have success. We know he had to do that anyway, Tom, because he wasn't getting outside doing no work with us back in the day. <laughs> That's so he wasn't going to be doing this. Yeah. It wasn't going to be cutting no grass and working in no garden. It wasn't doing nothing. Yeah, yeah he, he ran far from home to make sure yeah. that didn't happen. Yeah. Hey, when I left 109 Marquette, I swore I wasn't coming back to live. So yeah, I had to just keep did. running. <laughs> but one interesting thing you mentioned, you got an up-close view. I moved in with you and your new wife, right? So he's a newlywed, but he still opened up his home to me as I was finishing med school, about to start internship. So that's something that's special. And, you know, I'm sleeping in your bedroom on the couch or whatever, and you're watching me grind it out and watch me just kind of fight and claw because remember, I didn't get accepted into orthopedics right away. So mm -hmm. I spent a year in general surgery, still chasing this dream. Yep. You know, hey, toss up. Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Didn't really know, but I knew, like you said, I wasn't going home and I was... I was running, I was trying to prove something because I'm the first physician and we can talk about that. First physician in the family, we're all second generation college educated. Our mother was the first person to complete college in the family. So, you know, we were handed that baton and it was never once the, that floor was set at college, it was no going back in my mind, at least, mm -hmm. you know, and I was trying to push the agenda to a higher level. So I was motivated by all of those things. I mean, sometimes we talk about we're the first doing so many things still 
we still feel like we're carrying the community or carrying the neighborhood on our back or carrying the family name as we strive to, you know, achieve things that have never been done in our family before. Exactly right. You know, uh, and for those that's looking at that, I'm the oldest nephew, but more like the youngest brother. So, right. and, um, proud of my mom. Fake uncle, right? Yeah. Right. uncle, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, with my mom leaving Alabama and uh, moving north in Chicago to come home, you know, I'll never forget when my aunt called me at a time I was in, in coming back and forth trying to mess up these both of you guys. Hey, but I was, you know, we were having fun. But at the same time, we didn't know we was really learning. And as they call getting the real fruits of labor, being taught something. Things that I would even go from from your from Uncle Thomas, your dad, tell me stuff that, that he was teaching. I'm like, I never used this. Now I've gotten older and have physically worked on my house and done everything that a carpenter could do and everything I would pay thousands of dollars, have done it myself, if not research it through YouTube or learn it, you know, growing up. So, you know, when you turn around and you look at that. And I never get in that mid eighties, you know, and I said, Hey, I need you to do me a favor. These boys are following you enough. Once or so twice between the girls and the boys in the family, I need you either to set the precedent for the boys to make it hard for them to run at. And then we got to find a female in the family, but we have got to do something that we pick back up our education. And since I end up going on, graduating, doing the things, Every one of the cousins, the boys on this side, all done well and it's been awesome. Yes. So let's talk about work ethic um, and how what we learned at such an early age, the thing that we were running from at that time, how that came into play as far as being able to complete college or, you know, stick to these jobs that you might not want to do or, you know, create things. Talk about how the early lessons that you learned at home, you know, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, how that still is with you now. Well, I was running away from cutting them trees and doing that grass. <laughs> but seriously, you know, I think that me, I'm a little different than the two of you guys. I really got a chance to see the family, the gardens. I got a chance to see the field work. I got an opportunity that I was just talking to my granddaughter today, a uh, special day about Juneteenth, about our great-grandmother, you know, one of the latest persons to be on that side of the fence when it comes to uh, creating what we have in this country today, born in the late 1800s. So, you know, I get an opportunity to really experience a situation where kind of I said I could either uh, indulge in this and become a farmer slash a field hand worker, or I can figure out what the next move is going to be for me. But being in the family and seeing everyone work basically with their hands Right. And only a few of us had that opportunity to really work with the mindsets and doing things. I had an opportunity to get a mixture of it. So as the concrete city of Chicago have you hard knocks, big shoulders, people don't care if they like you or do like you. Either you're going to get with it or get on. So I had to figure that piece out. And as I did, the hard work just became, wait a minute, I'm in a city now. It's cold. Yeah, but I just came from 100 degree weather working outside in the garden. Every day, mosquitoes, bugs, snakes, and what have you, you know, dealing off the fruits of the land. So this is not even that difficult if I put my mind to it. And that's the work ethic that I started to gather, started to do. So as I jumped into coaching, I started to put that same type of work ethic in my players. And five or 600 players later, you know, I'm still out here doing this over 20 years. And just telling Cousin Tommy, I just took a brand new head coaching job at an all-girl Catholic high school here in Nashville, Tennessee, excited about this role because they're in last place, and all I can do is go up from here. Coach Prime in the building. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Prime, yeah. all the time, baby. That's it, yeah. all the time. For me, um, it probably, I, I've heard you echo it a little bit, Derek, uh, doc, your Dr. Derek, yourself, that, uh, you know, growing up, we already kind of knew we had two options, and Dad always told us that, it's either, you know, you're going <laughs> to you're either going to kind of do the manual labor, like Tony said, or you're going to get your education. Um, but I mean, I do appreciate Of course, I didn't appreciate it. And, and I know you always remember that <laughs> getting up early on Saturday mornings when you want to sleep in and or eat your cereal and watch cartoons. And, you know, dad come busting in saying, you know, it ain't your birthday. Get up. That's so, right. <laughs> hey, that's, that, that's, yeah. that's why I ate them biscuits. 
you weren't getting text messages at that point. People were no, calling no. the house and or paging you, asking you where you're going to be at the mall or going to the movies at night. Exactly. The question was, I don't know. It depends exactly. on what time I get done with work. Because right. Dad didn't care about your work, your social life. He cared about the work getting done. So many yeah. nights you coming home at eight o'clock, like I'm too tired, but I think I still want to try to go out, you know, but that was never the president. I mean, that was never important to him. It was about mm -hmm. I'm working. So you're working with me. And yes, when sir. we get finished, we'll go home. And right. if you get a chance to go out fine, if not, then too bad. Yep. But that definitely taught me that. I mean, you know, staying in the bed is not your way to success. You know, right. late is not the way to success. So he showed me that you got to get up early uh, and you got to grind. And, you know, and that's that's stuck with me. And that's been a life lesson. And no matter what I've gone through, like you, you know, I, I've had my setbacks in school and I've had my struggles. And but um, like you said, I never planned to go back. So I never had a safety net. I'll put it that way. It was only going forward. It was plan A. It wasn't plan B or C. So when you got, when you put that kind of, uh, you know, obstacle, I mean, you put that in front of you that your plan is not to go back, it's only to go forward. Then you're forced to kind of keep moving and you got to struggle or you figure it out as you go. But mm -hmm. you know that you, no matter how much you struggle, it's just putting one foot in front of the other and you're, you're stepping it out and you, you're trying to make it work. And so that's a lesson that I've learned. And it stuck with me that, you know, you just got to figure it out, but never stop moving forward. Yeah, Tommy, that's funny that you say that. I just had a conversation with one of my players trying to get him signed. Look, he got signed over here in Mexico. But uh, this is kind of funny. But it was reality. And I was trying to teach him a lesson. And the general manager, right, of the organization was talking to the kid and says, well, tell me what you got going on. And we had already worked through it. But I said, tell him, you homeless. He said, what do you mean, man? I'm not homeless. I said, yeah. If you let these guys know that you're homeless, meaning that you've already done what you had to do in the, in the States, mm -hmm. that if you don't get this job or what you're looking for, you are homeless. So right. you're over here to do whatever it takes, put the hard work in, mm -hmm. show what you need, show why you showed up, and show out. If you don't do that, then you become another one of the ball players that's trying to make it. But right. if you're hungry and you have no place to go and no place to live, Yep. then your work ethic is completely different because you can right. see the opportunity. That's it. So you're talking about grit, right? So I'm sure we've all worked with somebody who had higher qualifications or better trained, might've gone to a more prestigious school, but you know, once it gets in real life situations, many times they'll fold. So talk about you know the grit and the role that grit plays. Like you mentioned, once you burn the ships, right? And you know there's no turning back and you know like, okay, it's, Basically, I do this or bust. You know, how does that keep you moving forward? Man, on the coaching side of the house, Tommy, you know, you, know, you and Derek both know this this roller coaster ride of uh, coaching. I tell everybody this is the most cutthroat thing that I've been involved in outside of the music industry. But I tell you what got me really to this point. My best, my homeboy, my group, as we came out of college, you guys know I talk about my boy Mike all the time. He's out in Phoenix now. But he always told me when we were coming out of college, Always prepare yourself and dress for the job you want, not for the job you got. Yep. And when I, I got in and came back, finished playing ball and whatnot, I wanted to to get into to law school, right? So I get into law school. I'm sitting there for a little over a year, and I'm watching all my buddies in sales, right? And I'm working during the summertime trying to just get through a first year, struggling to get through the first year. Didn't have that grind in my mind like you had trying to be the doctor, Derek. And so I'm watching my boys, man, play golf, have fun. I said, wait a minute. It's got to be something else. So I leave, but your mama still ain't let down, let me down about that to this day. And I go hard right in the sales. Not only do I do a hard right in the sales, I go into commissionable sales where I had no base. That means that the boss didn't care what you did this month. What have you done for me lately? So, Tommy, you hit it right on the head. I had to beat the first guy up. And I wasn't in no easy market. I'm in Chicago, right? I'm in Chicago. My first, actually, my first territory was Detroit, Michigan. So I'm fighting, you know, anywhere from 18 to 24, 36 inches of snow for six, seven months. I'm fighting zero to below zero weather. So I hated it. So get me out of here. I, either you, either get me out of here, I'll quit. So I moved to Chicago 
and pretty much get the same thing. So I either had to tough it out or decide to make another turn. I said, you know something? The money was too good to get out. So I had to figure out the process. And as you said, Tommy, once I figured out that process of getting up early, early bird gets the worm, as long as I got up and could get the work done, I could always knock off early, which was the same concept of our forefathers and our family working in the field. They got up early before the sun got to them, put that work in so that everybody could eat that day. And I think the balance of that process taught me a good situation and it's helped me 30 years later. Yeah, I can say for myself, it's being able to stay flexible um, and being able to pivot because, you know, in life, you never know what life, but because it's all about the journey. Uh, and right. I, I think oftentimes we look at success that we're trying to get to it, but I've often heard others say it's all about the journey and it's the journey is where you learn the most. And when you look back, you know, it, that's the part, that's a, really the biggest part of the process is the journey. And, and whatever your success looks like, it's a journey. And so I could say for me, um, I started out, you know, thinking I wanted to do engineering. And then I, you know, I knew I like math. I knew I like, you know, I know I didn't, I wasn't too big on science, but I knew I liked math. Uh, but I went to a summer program, remember at a Mike program mm-hmm. down in Auburn, mm-hmm. Auburn mm-hmm. University. And, and I realized maybe this ain't, <laughs> maybe this not quite what I want. <laughs> Um, and so I went into finance and I went into banking um, and then I did banking for a little while. But I was like, uh, I've learned I learned a lot because uh, I got to see financial statements. I got to see how others were living. Um, and it really I felt like God used that to expand my outlook, my expand my look, my mindset on, you know, because I grew, I came up from such a humble beginning. I was I came from a small city. I had small time thinking. But really, banking allowed me to see how others were living and what they owned. And, um, and so it helped to really open my mind and, and you know, even open up my expectations of myself. Because, um, you know, we grew up watching people. Now, Tony's a little different because he went to the city. But, you know, in the South, I mean, you, everybody had a little one-level house. You know, you didn't see two or three-story houses. And, you know, you, that's not what we were exposed to. So when I saw that, I was like, wow, this is what others is doing. And then when I moved to Maryland, it really even expanded me even more because now I'm like, okay, I had a $100,000 house in Huntsville, but $100,000 ain't going to work up here in D.C. Well, you're going to be, <laughs> you're gonna be in, in, on the, on the street. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just opened my mind and, and just being willing to not get stuck in one area um, and being open. And so I've done finance, I've done financial planning, I'm now doing HR. So, I mean, I'm learning different aspects and, you know, the story is still being written. So I don't know exactly how it's going to end, but everything I've learned so far has got me to this point. And I, I just keep, I have a, you know, a desire to keep learning. Um, so I just, you know, I'm just waiting to just kind of see what God has in store because everything I've been through is for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. So as you were saying that both of you, I just comes in my mind, no steps are wasted. You know, even when you think in life, okay, I'm wasting my time or this job is a failure, as long as you learn something, as long as you learn whatever lesson God has for you in that season and don't forget it and take it to the next level, then you're doing what you have to do to reach where you're headed, right? There's mm-hmm. shout out to Noah Harris. Um, he wrote a children's book called Success Field. Now, Noah Harris is currently a White House intern, um, but he was the first black Harvard student body president. He's from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I had a chance to interview him here on the podcast. He's accepted a law school already. Um, and he did some work in Congress and he just accepted a job in the White House. So shout out to him. But he said that, you know, it's a journey to success field, not su- to success. It's not somewhere that you're going to reach it. Right. Mm-hmm. And because when you think you've reached it, you're going to get there and you're going to look around and say, no, nah, this is not it. We got to keep going. So uh, just no steps are wasted. Even if you feel like you're stuck in a situation, try to figure out what skill or what tool am I supposed to take with me from this? Um, yes. And then the other thing you were talking about is exposure, right? So everyone on this podcast tonight was taught, if you want it, work hard, right? Mm-hmm. We weren't taught to invest. You know, you were taught to work hard and save, dig a hole in the ground, get a pillowcase, throw your money in it, you know, right. get a savings account, whatever. But the word investment was never brought to our attention. Our dad, 
had rental properties. So that was a form of investment, but we never knew really to the stock market. We never knew how right. to even leverage those rental houses to be able to, you know, upscale and different things of that nature. So investments, you know, I didn't learn really until I was right at age of 40 to even start talking yep. about investments. It was That's just, same. you know, yep. do what's safe, you know, mm -hmm. earn your money, save your money and, you know, get ready for a 401k and you retire, right? That's what we were taught. We weren't taught how to invest and how to use real estate as a tool and how to, you know, decrease our tax burden and things of that nature. Those are all things that we're learning still now as adults. So. Right. Yep. That's, I mean, you, you hit it on the head, Derek. I mean, you, you take the opportunity of some of the rental properties, just the assets and the funds offered that. And just as, say, as early as the early 90s, into AT&T and Motorola, right? Into the early 2000s, just thinking we had the opportunity now to know about the Google and the Facebooks and the Google, the Facebook, the Tesla. It'd be a, whole, it'd be a totally different world for mom and dad you know, and everybody you know, right now because they, that money would generate a tremendous amount of money at that point. But again, you know, we thought that 401k or saving that and moving into an IRA fund and doing all that was great, not knowing that the stock piece is a piece as a part of that that allows and makes that money really grow. So you're exactly right. And Derek, one thing I can say, if you don't mind me just saying this, but oh, go for it. I see a lot of it in you as well. Um, but one thing I saw that dad did teach us is don't be afraid to try new stuff. Right. Don't, don't be afraid to, you know, because I saw him, you know, he did a car wash. He, he did a lot of little <laughs> before he found his niche, right. his niche in the market of real estate. And I see you doing a lot of the same thing is that you're not scared to, you know, try something different. And so, you know, that's what it is. When learning, you got to be, you got to be willing to fail. Uh, and I heard someone say, you got to fail big. So, yeah, um, fail, you know, fail fast, gotta, fail early. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to be willing to, you know, try some different things and not be, because, you know, think about if, you know, if Tony stopped pursuing his dream, you know, he wouldn't yeah. be where he is right now. And, um, I know that's the same for me. So, and I see the same for you. So it's, it's being willing to try uh, different things and never stop learning, basically. It was that, for me, it was that car wash stuff. Y'all already know. <laughs> Had me outside yeah. in the driveway, man, washing cars at night with no water. Like, <laughs> Derek that? had the door jams. That was his job. Spreading on the car, I'm like, we don't need no water. He said, no, man, it's not made for water. Hey, <laughs> Are you talking about I'm the dry proud. wash? That was another hustle. Oh, that you was know that? Yeah, yeah, a box in the dry in the doggone garage, man. Yeah. That's it. Ten boxes. <laughs> See, I forgot about that. We're talking about when he physically owned the car wash. You're talking about when he was selling the dry wash. Oh, so yeah, we were selling the dry car wash. Yeah. He owned the car wash and those dry bottles, boy, I tell you. So <laughs> We, we were getting, and little did we know, I think, Tommy, you just hit on the head, little did you know, or we know at that time, man, we were getting a first two seats in class yes. up front from a professor that was teaching us those games of life yes. about doing things, and little did we know, because we all said, I, I remember from all three of them, I ain't never doing this when I get old, right? And then right. you get old, it's like, man, that taught me this. Even if I took just one or two things from that, it, see how I can use this over here. Man, it was all perfect. Yeah. So, you know, as we're preparing now for a family reunion, right? So let's talk about first, before we move on to the family reunion, what's our role as now as educated Black men who have life experiences, what's our responsibility to be able to pass this along through mentorship? You know, not only you have it through coaching, you have it through ministry. We have it through family. But what's what do you feel your role is? You know, is it bigger than you? What do you have to do? Are you motivated to pass this along to the next generation? If you're enjoying this episode, don't wait to the end to share it. Share it now. Share this with a friend or a colleague that you think might find value in this information. And then also, Make sure that you click and leave us a five-star review and give us feedback because we really value your feedback and your input. Now back to the episode.
Well, man, I'm a little different than you two guys because, you know what I mean? So, as I mentioned, I was with your little smart cousin today. So, mm-hmm. it really got me because she knew, she being, for those that's watching, my granddaughter just turned six and I got a brand new granddaughter that was born on Good Friday. I nicknamed her Friday, of course, because we're fighting about that, but that's a whole nother story. But in my head there to that question, you know, just talking to her today, I was sitting down saying, wow, you know, she was telling me, hey, you know, Pop, Pop, I'm going to be an athlete. So that's no problem. I know that. I'm working on it. But she has a great knowledge of things that are going around from Martin Luther King and, you know, Rosa Parks and the bits and pieces that she's learning. And to see her interact with her cousins last year at the reunion and to pick up the knowledge of that and now wanting more and wanting to make sure she come back to the reunion this year touched me more than anything I could possibly be around because that is that next generation's next generation, right? So I'm finding myself until God keeps me healthy to make sure I stay around as long as I can possibly do so I can make sure that both my granddaughters know exactly who the family is and understand their legacy because we got a deep legacy in this family of a lot of wealth and a lot of great things. And I think sometimes when a lot of families get lost, it's too late and they got to go out by the graveside and they got to go by the civil war sites to see what's what they're reading on the tombstone. I don't want that. I want to be in position to make sure that it's like a baton on the track. You know, if you're the first, second, third leg with a smooth handoff, you keep running. And that's what I'm doing right now, trying to make sure I got a smooth handoff to my son, my daughter, and my granddaughter. I love that. Uh, for me, I, I say um, I think that's the importance of the reunion is because, I mean, we had the, I mean, we can look back and we, I mean, of course, Derek, you and I we grew up in the same house, but you know, we had the benefit of even though Tony grew up around us for a certain age, and even when he went to the city, he still came back most summers, so right. it was like he was still with us. So you know, I think that part gets lost if you don't come together because in this time and age where, unlike our mothers and fathers who we're all in one area, you know, we're spread out, you know, right. you got Tony in Tennessee, you got you in Mississippi, I'm in Maryland, uh, you got Marlon and others in other parts. So, you know, if you don't have a reunion, like Tony was saying, the sad part is going to be the tragedy would be that the next generation is not going to know each other the way we had the benefit of knowing each other's as first cousins. And so that's why I just feel like, you know, that's part of coming together um, and even knowing, like, we have so many resources, like, you know, you are a doctor, you know, Tony is a coach, as a salesman, and others with other skill set that, you know, a lot of others don't even know what we do. Um, right. so it gets lost if we're not able to come together and share and be able to help mentor, you know, some of our younger cousins, because we have a lot of resources just amongst us. And like I said, the tragedy would be not to pass it along. And it's good to pass it along to the, your children. That's first and foremost. But like you said, it's bigger than even that. It's bigger than right. I want to see the whole family, you know, come up. I want to see the whole family be successful. So it's even coming, it's looking even beyond your own bloodline. I mean, not your direct bloodline um, lineage and, and want to see them succeed, but also see your cousins and everybody else around you succeed. So yeah. to me, that's the that's a big picture is I want everybody to eat, as they say. I right. want everybody, yeah, everybody, everybody sit at the table and grab a fork, right? right? Yeah. Not exactly. just a few of us, but all of us. I want all to see all of us eat. Yep, exactly right. You know, and I'm going to chime in just right there, there before you say something, because Tommy made me think of something. Imagine this. And for those that are listening, you know, just going to show you how big our family is. Derek was just from Pampers, so he don't really remember a lot of this. And Tommy, you remember a lot, but you weren't able to go a lot. You know, we used to have Humongous family unions, all the way down to the fourth and fifth cousins. Now, I remember going to family unions as a kid with four, five hundred cousins, man, all right. over. I'm talking about Cali, Ohio, uh, you know, um, Alabama, Texas. I mean, from everywhere, D.C., New York, that everyone would converge on every single year. And man, is it, that just got to me a little real quick. But it's the funny part about that is. That was the elders of the family mm-hmm. doing what they were taught. And somehow down the road in that link, somewhere in that link, 
it got lost. Mm-hmm. And then the family units got dropped for years and years and years. Because I remember going as kids to family union, people call you knuckleheads or aunties or cousins or people that even know, even close friends of the family that they say they cousins, they wasn't. You know, they were just close community people that we all grew up together. And it was just amazing. And now to take those decades, right, of gaps mm-hmm. and put them back together, what you just said, Tom and Derek, to now reach out to the other person across the table. You know how much harder it is for me to work for you than it is for me to work for myself? You know, it takes a lot of work if I'm working to make you successful mm-hmm. in myself. And I think with that having been said that way, getting more and more of the family members involved, setting up the president each and every year, we can do this as long as it's done the right way. Yeah, I think that, you know, we were spoiled with the fact that, okay, there were 13 siblings, right? Mm-hmm. And then a lot of cousins. So you always had people around you. We were blessed to have family reunions on both sides of the family growing up. Um, But like you mentioned, you know, I know I graduated 18 and left. So I missed a generation Mm -hmm. while I was in school. Now these kids that are teenagers, I look back and I'm like, man, I feel bad because I don't, I'm like, I don't know your name. I know your mother, but I don't know your name. But that's, and if that ball gets dropped as our parents starts to age and as we start to lose that generation and the family's already physically further apart, you know, you can lose that origin and you can lose that identity, which we struggle with as African-Americans already to have, because we just know, you know, only two or three generations. We don't know our family shield. We don't know, you know, where are you truly from? You know, are you from Africa? Are you from the Caribbean? We truly don't know. Very few people are able to trace that lineage back that far. You know, you can trace it back to a port in South Carolina, or you can trace it back to where you came to the States but we don't, we lack that identity. And I feel like the lack of identity is part of the family structure, struggle in the family structure um, that we have here in America as African-Americans. So I'd say that, you know, I know that for years, I was so focused on me, right? To get through the grind of medical school and residency, but now it's my time, you know, and thank God my kids, you know, they're all about Suzette and Julia Derrick. They're all about family, you know, Suzette's, Oh, we're going to take the family reunion on. We're going to do this, that, and the third. So they see the importance of family, which is so important. Um, and, you know, shout out to Tommy for picking that back up, you know, and saying, hey, I'll take charge of getting this back together. Because once again, we watched our father go from courthouse to courthouse and city to city and cemetery to cemetery. Just anybody he can interview to try to link this all together. So it was important to him and, you know, and you being the second, you know, is I'm glad to see that you're picking it up, you know, for the second year in a row to bring this together. So just talk to us about some of the things that you had to overcome. And, you know, many times people will say, yeah, I want to participate, but we know how it is when it's time to actually put up. So just talk about some of the things, you know, the reason your drive behind being over the family reunion and some of the things that you've encountered along the way. I like you just said, it's, I see the importance and, you know, we had a great one down, you know, when and Claiborne did it in 2019 down in Jacksonville, uh, right around that area. And so, and then of course COVID hit. And so we went, I think 2020, 2021. And of course you couldn't do anything because everything was, was locked down. And so when we were rolling into 2022, you know, I know I could see like mom and uncle Marvin and some others that they were kind of you know, getting a little antsy, you know, just like, well, we need to get something going. Um, and so, you know, I, I just felt like there was an opportunity because um, I knew that, you know, it's got to be, it's now is our time. It's, you know, as they're, as the children of our mom and dads, their generation is getting older. And so it's our time. It's the first cousins now to really step up. Um, and so I wanted to be an example for others as to say, you know, I'm willing to take it on. I saw, you know, Clay, jump out there and said, I, you know, he did it. And so I wanted to also show a me- send a message that, you know, it's important to me as well. And so, like you just said, it's, it's getting out there and, and showing others it can be done. And so just kind of showing the way. And, and I just feel like it's, like you said, it's a challenge because, you know, you reach out to people and um, sometimes they don't get back or, or you reach out and they don't really respond. And, 
And, you know, you're trying, you see, you, and we all know there's, you know, there's, we have family that don't really come around as, that often. So, you know, reaching out to them because you want to bring everybody in and you want to see everybody. Because I, like you said, it's, I, I miss the generation too, you know, and probably Tony can say the same thing is because we all went out and went away and we stayed away, <laughs> you know, even though we came back, but you still miss it. Um, and so that's, I felt like that was important. So, um, you know, doing my role, doing my, playing my part and, and being an example and hoping somebody else will watch and say, you know, if they could do it, then I can do it too. Well, I'll just beat me on the head right now to get to Nashville next year. She kicking me in the back of my head. I felt that every <laughs> night, every night. She was just on me yesterday. So, uh, working on that. So we gonna, <laughs> I, I already know. Oh, trust me. I know. So, but it was great, man. I mean, just the, uh, you know, and I think the one thing that we need to add in there, and I think there you kind of alluded to it, and that is if we don't do this, right, if we don't figure out that direction to help, we're going to continue to have that family union at the time we lose somebody. And, right. you know, the family union cannot continue to be about a home going, right? It's got to be about the celebration of life. And, uh, you know, because I laugh, you know, you don't have a, a reunion on a birth, but you have everyone get together on the death. So, yeah. you know, and that part has got to change in between because, you know, as Tommy said a moment ago, you know, unless you get involved, start getting the people involved and you come back to town, you don't know the little, the little, the, the, as I call them, little monsters. You don't know the little ones that are getting up. You know, you don't have an idea that someone in the family want to be a doctor. Well, maybe they now want to be do hair because they didn't know Derek was a doctor. Somebody that's, you know, playing sports had no idea that they want to go into sports or be an agent or do something of that nature and had no idea that I'm out here can tell them the, the hard work of the bump and grind. Or someone like you decide, hey, I want to go into finance because I want to be rich. And you mm -hmm. tell them what it's going to take. Because if they don't see that and that gap is gone, then the person that's, that's a relative doesn't reach out about it, then how will you know? You know, mm -hmm. and like you said, we're too many states apart. It'd be different if you're right across town, right? I can drive to your house and sit down and have a conversation, mm -hmm. but uh, you, you, you don't, you can't do that nowadays. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. And there, I can just say it's been a blessing for me because now it's it's allowed me to touch a lot of family members that I hadn't seen or didn't even know, like you know, that cousins with baby, you know, to have now little children, and right. so it allowed me to now kind of. They know my name. I know their names. So, so this it's been a blessing for me being over it because now it has allowed me to reach out to those who I normally probably wouldn't have because I wouldn't see them when I come home. So. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, you know, on Time Out with the Sports Doctor, this is your final timeout. So Coach Tony, hey, you already know how important that final timeout is. Use it, use it wisely, right? But, you know, as we're talking about this, I'm hearing the word legacy, right? So, you know, what do you want or how do you want to impact the legacy of the family? You know, just each person just kind of think on that. And what does the family legacy, you know, what we're carrying on, we know that we were kings and queens, right? And so many times that you can forget that and you just know that we see the struggle when we look at American history many times, we just see the struggle of fighting for freedom and fighting for um, justice and fighting for the ability to be in the same room. And now we've been able to be into that room and we've been able to benefit from, you know, the emancipation and we've been able to benefit from civil rights, but there's more, right? It's not just surviving. So what do you want our family legacy to be? What do you want the legacy to be that we're going to pass on to the next generation? Oh man, I look at it as Derek, we've been here since sharecroppers, right? And now we're here in space age and it's still growing. Our kids, our little cousins are going to see things that we're never going to see, experience things that we're probably never going to get an opportunity to experience. So, you know, me personally, I would like to see the legacy go back to those big reunions that I mentioned a moment ago, back to where the family gets together. Because nowadays, as they say, you got social media, you got things like this. You can now, who, I'd have never thought, I, I started off, you know, for those that don't know, I started off in communication when communication was just now popping off in the early 90s, um, spent 17 years of that, doing that. And I remember building networks and we were just laughing going out to 1G, right? 
Now we have five Gs. I would never even imagine a George Jetson type cartoon for reality that you can get on a driverless car and it take you shopping or take you to the airport or you can order food, sit on your couch and someone rings your doorbell, you know, and drops it off or grocery shop. You know, all those to me are things that have, yeah, made society easier to deal with, but it's made it lazier to become close to your family because when you can't do something, the first excuse is, well, just, you know, follow me up or just, well, we get on FaceTime, we, we can do this and that. It's, it's not the same as being in your face and laughing and joking and touching you and talking to you. Mm-hmm. So I hope the legacy of the family, man, is just to make sure that this year when we get to the family union, we kind of set the next decade up mm-hmm. and not just, you know, who can we do this and that over the next few years. I think the great idea was every other year mm-hmm. having back at home in Alabama, right? So that makes it easy. So yeah. why not look at the next five years outside? You know, we know next year we're working to get get it here in Nashville with me. Then I think this year we should already be working on, you know, going to 27, wherever else. And I think that as you come with that plan, you kind of have an idea. Okay, gotcha. I see where we're going over the next few years. And you can build on that. And then I think that builds that legacy within itself. Yeah. Yeah. Now I agree with you, Tony. Um, I, I, I agree a hundred percent with you. And I, I think it's, it's like you said, it's someone stepping forward and, and being the example and saying, Hey, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, and it's the legacy I would like to see for the family is like you said, when, when we old and gray, you know, that I, I hope the family is still coming together. Um, right. So that's, that would be the legacy and, and seeing it pass on and not just like you said before, Tony, like you saw a gap where it just stopped. And so, and that's the one thing about anything you do, whether it's podcasts, reunions or whatever else, yeah. if you ever allow the momentum to die, it's hard to get it back. So uh, just like everything else that we put in, in our work, our careers and everything it's consistency and it's showing up every day. And yeah. I see the same for our families is we just got to show up and be there. If some won't, then we may have to be the ones to step up and do it. Um, but that's part of leadership. And I think that's the role of us as, as men of the family is we gotta be the leaders that move us forward um, into the next decade. Um, but if we don't do it, who's gonna do it? Yeah, I think we have to, like both of you are saying, get back to some of the basics, right, of communication. That's one thing, you know, texting is fine, FaceTiming is fine. But one thing this podcast has taught me is that being able to have real human contact and communication, phone conversations is key and being able to have that face to face and really being able to utilize all the tools that we have to make it even bigger now. No, not using social media as a crutch, but using it as a stimulus um, to be able to increase the impact that we can have you know, with each other and being able to really just like you mentioned, leverage off of each other. You know, there's no reason why we're not investing together. There's no reason why, you know, we're not doing things on a larger scale than what we're doing now. So really getting back to the basis of communication and family and, you know, unity, because yes. the more the more unified we are, the more we can do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get perfect. I mean, y'all like my little brothers. You already know that. <laughs> we, we never lost touch, period. Right. At no right. point in life. So, you know, you know, I don't care if I was on the road, I don't care about the game, I don't care whatever whatever the situation was, I was always able to call. If you were busy, uh Tommy was busy, you guys got back to me. If you missed out on a piece of your work while you were grinding that workout, you moved to Cincinnati. People don't know that. So, you know, I hit the road, came to Cincinnati a couple of times, you know, allowed you to show me some different ways or some things that I was doing in the industry that I was trying to be successful in. You say, hey, Tony, open your mind up. You need to come on here and learn this because this will make what you're doing even better. And I still use those to very this very day. So I think that, you know, one, uh, we need to do and continue to do a great job to know what each other do does in the family so yeah. that the younger generations come up can have that touch, can, can know what's going on. Uh, and I think that that opportunity of leaving that legacy or that opportunity of starting to develop that legacy comes a little easier. And, and just a little sneak peek, you all will have that opportunity to do that. <laughs> right, 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 right. 
Yeah, here soon you're gonna have that opportunity to do just that. Oh yeah, and, 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 and you mentioned a moment ago, get old and great. I'm still gonna be clowning. <laughs> we know that. Yeah, we ain't gonna never, we ain't, we ain't gonna never have one board time though. Get my little favorite Suzette them come around. We ain't never had a board time at all. So you know, and that and that's the that's the key. I think sometimes I think, man, you know, we get in some situations. I was talking to this family, not on our side, but outside of the family, just how they kind of do things. And uh, there's one of my players that was with me, and the mother says, Coach, I know we're on a on the road. You just said a prayer for dinner. I said, that's what happened. I blessed the food. And I said something else. She said, well, God help me because I can't tell you the last time I seen a church or the last time I said a prayer. And I said, I get it. I don't have absolutely anything against you doing it, but I'm just telling you, while you're with me and you're on the road, whether you see it or not, I'm going to give it to you. Now, what you do with it, it's on you. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to force it up on you, but I'm just, I'm going to pray for myself. So if anyone's in my way, they're either going to get it or they're going to hear it. And I think sometimes that we sit back and we think, oh, man, I'm too big for this, all to this and that. Until it gets too late and we need the help, now we try to stick our hand out, trying to get somebody to come back and pull us up. Well, if you haven't done those things over the years, people, one, don't know that you need help, and Mm -hmm. two, don't know when to help pull you up. And I think that's the thing that we've got to continue to do. And I think we did a great job. Man, I really appreciate, Tommy, the work you put in this, pulling this back together. And I'm one of those many people, but I would tell a lot of people, if I can slow down (laughs) for a second, then anyone in this family can slow down for a second. Yeah, we got to make it a priority for sure. If you don't make it a priority, it won't happen. Yeah. You said that last year, Derek, um, at the reunion, it's got to be a priority. Uh, And if you're not there, then your action show is not a priority to you. Well, hey, I appreciate you both coming on. You know, this was just something that popped in my mind. I said, let's try to do it. And you both were receptive and here it is. So, you know, that's how things, you know, sometimes you just have to respond in the moment. I appreciate you. I love both of you. I can't wait to see you and spend time with you this weekend. And, you know, I appreciate what you do. So I'm still going to see therapists, trying to forget some of the things Tony taught me over the years, but hey, <laughs> overall it was it was for the <laughs> Hey, baby, baby, baby. That gives you those lights. And one, and, one, and, one, and one other thing real quick, you're going to laugh. I'm not going to tell you. Uncle Bo kissed me up the other day and texted me two pictures, man. That's all I'm going to say. So I'm going to tell you. You got to get him and ask you to show you them pictures. But it's funny, man. I'm glad we got an opportunity to do this, man. And, and uh, man, I love you guys more than life itself. And, and again, you know, making sure that we continue to do this and do this in a way. And also, you guys out there in podcast land, keep your ears out because the coach and the doctor are going to come together for All a right. show and do a big show teaching you guys uh, about the sports side of the house along with your illness and how to stay healthy and how to make sure you be successful. And uh, make sure you look one, one quick shout out this Thursday night. Make sure you tune into the NBA. We got our own uh, – Brandon Miller here in Nashville, my son's best friend, probably be the number two, number three draft pick, which is nothing but the best. And uh, that's just how we do, baby. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thank you for your time. And I'll be in, in touch with you shortly. Hey, and where's my boy, Martin? And I'm out. Hey. <laughs> thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episode. Until later, peace.